Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. We are starting a new sermon series, and it's simply entitled, A Christian Is. And we're going to be talking about what is a Christian, what really does it mean to be a Christian? And we're going to be looking at that over the next several weeks and find that it may be something a little bit different than you may have expected. But one of the things uh, we're going to be talking about is that being a Christian means helping and caring and being involved in other people's lives. And uh, we have already had a promo, but uh, Lexi Jacobs, if you would come uh, down at this time, and uh, uh, I'm going to talk to Lexi here for just a second. Uh, about water step and uh, really for two reasons she makes me look good when I'm up here and so that was the best reason Uh, but uh, Lexi tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you go to school and how you got involved in this have you had a good pastor that whole time though okay okay just checking (laughs) the co-president right I was just thinking we've had 11 11 presidents in my lifetime and you're the best I just want you to know by by far by far just want you to know that Uh, so tell us a little bit what do shoes have to do with water step That's great. So what kind of shoes do people need to donate? Any, any type. They can, I mean, you know, the best are like probably like running shoes, tennis shoes, they can have high heels, high shoes, new, like new, like used. Okay, new, used? Yeah. All right. My old ones that I wear in the mud? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay. All right. Anything else that you want to say about Water Step or your involvement with it? Or? That's great. That's great. That's fantastic. So we need to find three pairs each, right? Yeah. At least. All right. And we're trying to collect a, a thousand pairs of shoes, and uh, we're not counting, so uh, we'll, we'll say we made it regardless. Okay. <laughs> You are, you're counting, okay, okay. Uh, so if when you go out up against the far wall there, uh, you'll see the, the shoe collection, and uh, you can uh, bring them by during the week or on Sundays, and we'll be collecting those over the next couple of weeks as well. Okay. Anything else? No, 
Thank All right. you guys so much. At this time, Lexi has a song she's going to sing. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> give that back to you. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Lexi. Well, the sermon goes downhill from here, just so you all will, will know that. Hey, take your Bibles, turn over to Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to be talking about the fact that a Christian may be something a little bit different uh, than you thought or that you may have imagined uh, when you looked at it. Now, uh, if you've ever uh, met someone that you'd heard of before, you probably sometimes got a different impression of them than you might have first thought. I'll give you a couple examples of celebrities. Uh, there, there's a lot of people that say Tom Hanks is just a really nice guy, that when they, they meet Tom Hanks out, he just goes out of his way to be friendly. Here's a picture of Tom Hanks at the hardware store. I read a story about a lady that was in the grocery line, and she looked up, and Tom Hanks was in front of her. All she had was a water bottle because she'd been out running. Tom Hanks had a, a whole cart of groceries, and she said, being stupid, I said, I loved Forrest Gump. And he turns around and looks at her and says, yeah, I did too. It was my, one of my favorite movies that I made. And then he said he, he asked her name. They begin to talk. Uh, when they got up in the line, he paid for her water bottle, which is pretty good because it's probably like 25 cents or something, you know, to, to pay for that water bottle. As they walked out, he shook her hand and he said to her, it was really nice to meet you. Thank you for introducing yourself today. And she's like, just a, a super nice guy, which you would hope he would be. Uh, if you know who Don, Danny Trejo is, the, the, the uh, action uh, star and everything, uh, Danny Trejo looks large and in charge and big and mean. And what surprises people when they meet him is Danny Trejo is only five foot five inches tall uh, when people meet him. Here's a picture of him uh, on the runway with Jessica Alba towering over him uh, at that particular time. So people were surprised at that. Anybody know who Tom Holland is? Tom Holland, Spider-Man, yeah, yeah, well, he recently went to Disneyland and was the Spider-Man character, and then he would take the mask off, and people would see it was actually Tom Holland, there he is, uh, doing it right there. You know what people discovered about him that surprised them? He talks with a British accent. He's British uh, there. He has no British accent at all in the Spider-Man movies. But when you meet him in real life and he begins to talk with that British brogue, it surprises everyone. Different than you might have expected. But we have a lot of preconceived notions about what it means to be a Christian. And we're going to be looking over the next few weeks about uh, exactly what it means. Today is going to be the most theological uh, of all of those times. We're going to be over in Ephesians chapter 1. And Ephesians, out of all of Paul's letters, are pro is probably the most theological uh, of the letters. The least personal uh, of the letters. And it's written in kind of a, a certain way. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesus uh, is really talking about what's it mean to be saved? What's this new identity in Christ? How does it change you? And so it's a very theological thing about salvation, how salvation changes you, what that means in your life. And then the last chapters of the book of Ephesus, of Ephesians, is how that matters in your life. So it's talking about what is salvation, how does it change your life, and then the ending chapters are how does that now matter 
in your everyday life. We're going to be over in Ephesians uh, chapter 1 today as we, as we started. The, the, we're just going to look at a few verses out of that. Uh, but Paul talks about the fact they've been predestined, they've been adopted. And by the time we get to verse 7, he's going to talk about the fact that they've been redeemed. And the first thing we see is this. A Christian is someone whose sins have been forgiven through the sacrifice of Jesus. A Christian is someone whose sins have been forgiven because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Look at Ephesians 1, verse 7. Ephesians 1, 7. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Now, if you were to ask the average Christian, what does it mean to be a Christian? They would probably come up with something like this. Well, it's someone that, that uh, has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, someone that God has forgiven. Most people might come up with that answer when they did it. But when we really bear down, most people really don't believe that. As a matter of fact, there was recently a George Barnapol and then another one by Arizona State University that said about 50% of Christians believe that the way you get to heaven is by being a good person. In the Barnapol, 52% of people said being good is how you get to heaven. In the Arizona State poll, 48% said being good is how you get to heaven. But look at this verse here. It starts out when there's some very important words. In him, we have redemption. Now, redemption, the word redeemed, what that literally means is that you have been bought back by God. Think of you've got something, you took it to, uh, uh, you know, you, you took it down to the pawn shop, and now you're buying it back. You want it back or something. Well, salvation is God is buying us back. God created us. God loved us. We have left him. Uh, we're on the path to destruction, and God has intervened and has done something to redeem us. But where does redemption come from? Again, look at this verse. In him, we have redemption. We don't have redemption in what we do. We have redemption in what he did. So if you have to be smart enough and know all the right things to get into heaven, if you've got to do all the right things to get into heaven, if you've got to believe all the right things to get into heaven, then you've got to be all the time worried that you've done enough. Have I done enough good things? Have I believed all the right things? Uh, you know, and, and so there's this constant pressure. Did I leave something out? Have I done it? Am I, am I good enough? But we don't save ourselves in him we have redemption. But where does this redemption come from? In him we have redemption through his blood. So that redemption comes from the fact that Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of our sins when we didn't deserve it. It is his sacrifice that has saved us, not what we are doing, not what we are believing, not how good we are. As a matter of fact, you come to God just as you are uh, and ask God to forgive you and to restore you. So it is through the sacrifice of Jesus, through his blood, we find this redemption. And this, in case you don't understand what he's talking about, Paul then goes on and says, it's the forgiveness of sins. What Jesus has redeemed us from is that our sins have separated us from God. Jesus is coming, dying on the cross. His blood is now uniting us with God again. And he says, this is just all the riches of God's grace. It's something we don't deserve. Grace is an undeserved blessing that God has given to you. So that, in a nutshell, is what it means to be a Christian. Someone who has accepted the redemption of Jesus Christ through the sacrifice of his son, found forgiveness, 
through God's grace. Being a Christian is not what you believe. Being a Christian is not how you act. Being a Christian is someone that God has come in, has redeemed, and has loved, and has changed because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So that is the very basic, that is the very foundation of what Jesus did for us. That may be different than what you think a Christian is, but that is the foundation of what it means to be a Christian. If you'll take out your Lord's Supper pack that uh, you got when you came in today, your communion, uh, it's interesting that we take this meal to remember that it's not what we did, it's what he did. That it's what Jesus did on the cross that provided our salvation. And this entire meal reminds us of that. The bread was a loaf of bread that they had, and they broke it, and they shared it with one another. And when Jesus broke the bread, he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. And so Jesus reminding them there that their salvation is not something coming from themselves. It's something that's coming from his sacrifice, his broken body. This is the body of Christ broken for you. He goes on and he took that cup, the one cup. He shared it with his disciples. And he said, this cup is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so again, Jesus reminding them, it's, it's not your good works that are going to save you. It's not knowing the right things that are going to save you. It's Jesus' blood, just as our scripture passage right on the screen says right now. Through his blood, you have found the redemption of sin. This is the blood of Christ, which was shed for you. So we are reminded anew that we're not saved by being good or knowing all the right things, but by what Jesus did on the cross. Well, our scripture passage goes on, and it talks about the results of that. Okay, what happens when, you, when Jesus has come into your heart? And the next thing we see is this. A Christian is someone who has been born again through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. A Christian is someone who's been born again through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So Paul goes on talking about this change that's been made through our redemption. And in verse 13, he says this. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit. Now again, this is a really interesting passage of Scripture. It says that you heard the message, the gospel of salvation, and you believe the message. So it's God's work, we hear God's work, we believe God's work, and when we hear and believe God's work, we're told we're marked with a seal, the Holy Spirit. And so our salvation, the way we know our salvation is secure, is that God has given us his Holy Spirit. Uh, John 3 calls it being born again. That you've literally gone from death to new life in Jesus Christ. That you've got the DNA of God. God's Spirit literally dwells inside of you, marked with his seal. Now what does that mean, to be marked with the Holy Spirit? It means you've gone from death to life. It means you become a child of God and an heir of his kingdom. It means you have spiritual gifts now to serve him. It means greater ability to understand scripture and to commune with God. And it means you are guaranteed salvation. So God, 
through our belief, through his work on the cross and his redemption, now we've been brought and we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. I saw an interesting story this week, very sad story that had a really neat ending. Uh, the uh, animal control had been called because there was a pony uh, that had been abused, had been, uh, w- was starving, and the pony had died. And uh, I got a picture uh, right here of that pony uh, that was there. When animal control showed up, they found out the pony was not dead. It was still alive. And so they begin to try to give it some water, give it a little bit of food. Uh, the, the next picture you see, they got it up, they begin to feed it. The bottom picture is that pony today. The unbelievable change has taken place from a pony they thought was dead to one that has literally been brought to something entirely different than what they found. That's what the Holy Spirit of God does in our life. It takes us from death into a new life in God, we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. So a Christian is someone who's been redeemed by Jesus. We have then been marked with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, in this Ephesians 1 passage, Paul then goes on and he has a prayer for the church at Ephesus. And in this prayer for the church at Ephesus, it's one of the great prayers ever, uh, he talks about three other things that come through this redemption and sealing uh, of the Holy Spirit. And, and so the, the third is this. A Christian is someone that's in a growing relationship with God. A Christian is someone that's in a growing relationship with God. Look down to verse 17 as he begins his prayer. He says, uh, I keep asking uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. So Paul begins to pray for the church at Ephesus. And he prays, man, I pray that the glorious Father will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And we go, wow, that's neat. But what's the purpose of you getting that spirit of wisdom and revelation? The spirit is, the the purpose is that you may know him better. A Christian is someone who is in a growing relationship with God. It's not about what you believe. It's not just about what you do. It's about the relationship you have with God. This is the big disconnect that we have today, and it's really important to understand this disconnect because what we believe is, well, I'm saved by grace, but then I'm going to lead my life by trying uh, to do all this stuff to earn God's favor. You don't need to earn God's favor. God loves you. God cares for you. God's in your life. Uh, You just need to get closer and closer to him. The Christian life should be about your relationship with God. But we've made it about everything else. We've made it about three things. One thing we've made the Christian life, it's about what we believe. It's about what we believe. So our doctrine takes front and center. What we believe about God becomes the most important thing. Is what we believe about God important? Yeah, it's very important. Is what you believe about God the center of your faith and the way of your salvation? No. Your relationship with God is the center of your faith and the way that you show that you're saved. The doctrine is something that comes later. So what happens if you build your faith around what you believe? Well, first of all, you've got to wonder, do I believe all the right things? Paul himself said he didn't believe all the right things. He said, when it comes to God, it's like I'm looking through a glass darkly. He's doing the best he can. He's, an infall- he's a fallible human being looking at an infallible God. So we don't understand everything about God. If doctrine becomes the center of our faith, 
We're going to always have to worry, am I believing the right things? But not only that, then we become arrogant and we condemn anyone that doesn't begin believe exactly like we do. And so it becomes a dividing point. But there's a second thing that we do. Sometimes instead of what we believe in our doctrine, it's our service. And our service to God becomes front and center what we're doing i'm involved in in all these different things at church i'm on all these missions uh my service is the heart and soul of my faith is there anything wrong with serving god what if your service to god becomes the front and center of everything about your faith then it becomes about what you're doing instead about who you are in a relationship with god and so pretty soon you're condemning other people that aren't doing as much as you are or don't have the same kind of motivation and the same kind of faith that you do. And then finally, it becomes about our behavior. It becomes about our behavior. Our faith becomes sin management. How am I doing in managing my sin? And so every day I get up and I fight the battle of sin. Some days I win, and when I win, I condemn and look down on all of you sinners out there who aren't doing as good as I am. And some days I fail, and I feel miserable. And that's my life, feeling superior or miserable sometimes in the same day. That's a terrible way to live your life. Did you know most church splits take place over those three things? Is there anything wrong with trying to live a good life and not sinning? No. But if that's the heart of your faith, you forget what your faith is about. The heart of your faith is that you may know him better. And when you want to know him better, and when you're in a relationship with him, guess what? You're going to start reading your Bible, you're going to start learning more about him, and your doctrine is going to get better than it was before. And when you're in a relationship with him and you love him, not only are you going to know him better, but you're going to want to serve him and be a part of his work in the world. And when you know him better and get closer to him, then you're going to automatically say, I don't want to live that way anymore. That's taking me away from the one that I love. I want to do things to get closer to him. All of these things are important, but they're not the center of your faith. The center of your faith is the relationship that you have with God and that relationship supersedes everything else and makes the others possible read an interesting story this week out of Greensboro South Carolina police got a call of a wild party that was going on in a neighborhood disturbing the peace and so three police officers show up because of this wild party and when they get there they find out that it's a it's a it's a kind of Kinson Kinson somebody help me there Quinceanera. It's a quinceanera, the 15th uh, uh, birthday where you become an adult, and uh, a lot of the neighborhood was there, and it was just a really neat neighborhood party. The police officers got there. They actually got a picture uh, with a young lady who was celebrating her 15th birthday, Kim Menendez, uh, that was there. Uh, the officers apologized for coming into the party. Uh, as they started to leave, some of the, the people at the party said, hey, this is, this is kind of like a neighborhood thing. Why don't you stay and eat with us? So the officers took a break, uh, sat down, uh, ate the meal with them, and they said everything began to change in that neighborhood. Because when one of those police officers would then drive down the block over the next few weeks, guess what the people who were at with the party would do? They would start waving, they would pull over, they would talk to them. Uh, there was one lady that had a cup of coffee every time they'd go by and would run out and give them the cup of coffee. And suddenly, by going to break up a party, they became 
in a relationship with the people in that neighborhood in a closer way than they had ever been before. And probably that neighborhood became a lot safer because knowing people and people knowing and trusting them would begin to change everything about that neighborhood. I encourage you not to be the person that calls the police, but the person that enjoys the party, okay? Uh, that's the person you need to be. Be the Christian that enjoys your salvation and the party and your relationship with God. Well, there's a fourth thing that we see. It's the second part of the prayer. So that's the first part of Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus is that you may know him better. He goes on, and the second thing is this. A Christian is someone with true hope through the glorious inheritance awaiting them. Verse 18, the very next verse. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So the second thing that he prays for them is, man, I just hope that you begin to understand the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I want you to know when you're saved, you're going to heaven. You're going to be with God forever. All these problems and troubles and all of these things that we suffer with in this world, they're going to be gone, and it's going to be an unbelievable change. See, you were redeemed through the blood of Jesus when you didn't deserve it. God sealed you with his Holy Spirit. You're in a relationship with God, and that relationship is never going to end. Even when you die, he's going to raise you from the dead to be with him forever. It's all part of one thing that works in together that's there. What an unbelievable thing awaits us, the hope of his glorious inheritance. I hope that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened, that you understand the glorious inheritance waiting for you. When you were sealed with the Spirit, you became a part of God's family, and you will always be a part of God's family, and you inherit the things of God, and you will be with Him forever. What an unbelievable thing to know and have in our life. And then finally, uh, the last part of the prayer is in verse 19, and that is this. A Christian is someone who has access to the great power of God. A Christian is someone who has, great, has access to the great power of God. Look at the very next verse again, verse 19. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as his mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm. Now, in, in direct context, he's talking about your... your, your, your uh, uh, going to heaven is based on the power of God just as Jesus raised from the dead you'll be raised from the dead but it's also saying we have access to the great power of God in this world right now his incomparable is incomparably great power to us who believe that power of God is still available to us today most Christians don't live a life acting like they have access to the incomparably great power of God we live lives that are weak and, and afraid to do anything. Uh, we live lives battling our little sins uh, when God says, I have conquered the world and your sins are forgiven. And we as a church do things that we can do. And the people see us doing them and they think, man, that's a hard-working church. But they don't look at the church and think, man, that's a great God that can do those things. But we're a God who has incomparably great power to us who believe and we need to be a church that's using 
that great power of God. Probably some of you saw that Brother Andrew died this week. Andrew Vanderbilt, uh, God smuggler, uh, the person who used to smuggle all the Bibles uh, into Eastern Europe. Uh, got, a, got a picture of Brother Andrew uh, right here. He would smuggle his Bibles into Eastern Europe during the communist uh, reign in a Volkswagen Beetle filled with boxes of Bibles. And he tells a story the first time he tried to do it. He was crossing the Romanian border and they were doing checks on the cars, making sure people didn't bring in contraband. And he thought, well, my Bibles are just all in the trunk of the car and in the back seat. Surely they're going to find them. And then he saw the cars in front of him. They were literally taking off the hubcaps to see if there's anything in the hubcaps. And he thought, well, this is it. I'm going to prison in Romania uh, for smuggling Bibles in. And he said he started praying to God, God, help me. I need, your, I need your power. I need you to do something. And God said to him, just leave it out in the open and don't care about it. And he said, I, I don't know how that's going to work, God. And so he said he just kept saying, well, leave it out in the open. So he actually opened one of the books of Bibles, set it on the front seat next to him, took one of the Bibles out and set it on the seat. He said the car pulled up, the border guards walked over, looked at his passport, handed it back to him, and waved him through. He was never stopped going through uh, over the next several years bringing Bibles in. That's the incomparably great power of God that is available to us. So what have we seen this morning? This is the most, uh, uh, again, theological that we're going to get, but it's the foundation. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about being a Christian means you're a part of God's family. Being a Christian means that you're on mission for God. But we've laid the foundation today of what does it really mean to be a Christian. What it really means to be a Christian is that there's a time in your life when you've given yourself to Jesus Christ. He's forgiven you and redeemed you. He sealed you with his spirit. You're in a relationship with him. You know you're going to heaven and you have access to his great power. Those things are unbelievable when we begin to hear them and think about them. And it changes everything about what a Christian is and who a Christian is. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your word. We just pray now that each of us would live a life that says, man, I'm just grateful for your salvation and all that it's meant in my life and that we appreciate that sacrifice that you've made for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.